Well, good morning. So, update on the building stuff. <clears throat> Many of you um, kept me alert that we had an issue down here uh, Saturday, yesterday. Um, I did know they did break a gas line, and um, it became apparently very serious very quickly. Um, <clears throat> that was the least of our issues. We had other things going on. But here's the thing. I'm not going to go over it all because I'm, I'm freeing it in my, I'm freeing it out of my spirit, getting out of there. Uh, we had a lot of stuff happen that was not our fault. Um, I'm saying us or the builders. It was other, like the other group called the city. So um, we, we are, we're really hoping we can be done with this. They're, they're still saying, you know, that, that looks like they're, they're staying on track time-wise. Um, they've been out, they were out there this morning. I don't see them right now. Um, oh, there's still some more guys down there. But um, they're, they're trying to get this done before the 23rd. They said they were going to cut the road um, and then block it off on 18th through 23. So, so, and then the kids start going back to school, so they're hoping to get done with that. Once that's finished, then all they have to do is tie into our building and we're done. It's been such a quick, quick, uh, easy thing that's been happening here. So just pray about it. When you think about it, pray about it. I'm sure it's, it's uh, stressing me more then it's stressing like the builders and stuff. I guess except when you hit a gas line, it probably stresses everybody. But uh, it's just it's just not moving the the way that that I like to see it. But I know that uh, Dale's been on top of this. Some of this stuff that some mistakes the city made. I know he's been on top of this. So just pray about this. Pray about we just have favor and that God just gets this done, so that we can actually build a building. And and here's something interesting. In the last week and a half, we've started having some interest in uh, the corner down there. Um, some people are saying that they're interested in, in buying that, like like legitimate. I mean, we didn't hear anything in forever. And then all of a sudden, we've got two um, very legitimate um, groups that are looking at it. So pray about that, too, that we want to make sure we hear God's uh, voice on this. Um, we're not sure exactly. We want to make sure that what goes in there. Right now, it's a, um, it's a Chick-fil-A and a nightclub, and we don't know. We want to hear God's voice on this, so <laughs> it's, not, it's not what it is, neither one of those, although I am contacting Chick-fil-A again, because two years ago they said we're interested, but just not right now. I'm also going to contact Rudy's Barbecue again, <laughs> for obvious reasons, okay? You guys with me on that? Think about Sunday mornings, smelling barbecue the whole time. Oh, that would be, that would be, talk about worshiping. <laughs> All right, so, so a few things I, I want to throw out here. We really need um, some, some help with the uh, Wednesday night groups, the guys and the girls, uh, specifically the Royal Rangers, the boys. We need some leadership. We need some guys to step in and do some things there. Um, the, the, uh, we have just a solid, really good group of guys, but we've had a lot of um, leadership changes over the last not the leadership, that's Perry's fine, but um, just leaders coming in and, and leaving, different things like that, moving, lots of stuff. And so uh, we're going to need some help down there. And I was thinking about this this last week when we were when we were talking about this. My grandson's name is Ezra James. The James is after the Royal Ranger leader in our last church that my boys grew up under. Uh, this guy was... was um, 
just just amazing leader and mentor and man uh, in my boy's life. And, and this is what we're trying to provide on Wednesday nights is helping these boys become men, godly men, and understand what being a man is, not just, not just being a Christian, but what it means to be a Christian man. That's different than being a Christian woman. And uh, there is a lot of stuff that comes along with being a man that these guys need to know. And so think about that. Pray about that. Um, figure out if maybe you can jump in and help some of these guys down there uh, young boys, old boys, whichever, whatever age group you can tolerate, we'll, we'll let you uh, work down there. Um, it really is very rewarding. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's the kind of thing, if I wasn't standing up here on Wednesday nights, I would definitely be engaged in. I've just seen it have too much effect. I grew up as a Royal Ranger, and uh, it, was a, it was a big deal, just a big deal for me. So some things that uh, was happening this week, I talked about this little Wednesday night, so I mentioned last week that Russia is, they're going to invade Ukraine. Um, and then Wednesday morning we get up and Russia is pulling back. Russia is pulling back. Um, Russia is not pulling back, okay? Don't believe, specifically, again, here's your litmus test. If MSNBC, CNN, ABC, if those are the guys that are starting out with this line and they're all saying it together, it's not true, Okay? Um, they've actually been, even as of this morning, they're actually having some skirmishes um, along the border, and some Ukrainians have been shot um, from Russian troops just this morning. And so uh, this, is, this is going to happen. It's going to be quick. We see where Scripture tells us that Russia is going to come into Israel. Russia and Iran are going to invade Israel. This may not be the push, but we were talking, Yohan and I were talking um, this last week. Yohan's from um, Albania. And uh, we were talking this last week about, is Yon in here? Is Yon missing church? I want to say this publicly. It look, looks like he's missing church. Okay. So uh, we were talking about it this week, and he was, he was mentioning the fact that all these countries that came into NATO, uh, they had to get rid of their military, and they can only keep a small force. And he said most of those countries have less than 10,000 um, soldiers, and usually half of those are being deployed by the United Nations at any time. So Ukraine is the only country that has all of these forces in that area. That's why Russia hasn't already walked into them. It's because they're not a NATO country. Now, when Russia goes into Ukraine, all those other countries have no military. Russia can just walk right through them. It'll, it'll look worse than Hitler during World War II. They can just walk right through them. And, so, and who's going to stand up against them? Not us. I think we've proven that. And so, I, again, like I said last week, I really think at the same time, China is going to immediately go into Taiwan. And now we've got a major problem worldwide on our hands. And so, so with that, we know, we know that there's a lot of stuff on the horizon. We know there's a lot of stuff that is playing out supernaturally, um, eschatologically. There's things playing out. We're reading it in Scripture, and it's happening real time right in front of us in ways that has never happened in history. Pay attention to this stuff. This is very important. Um, I've mentioned before there's a book called The Islamic Antichrist. It would be a very good book. It's an eschatological book. It would be a very good book to read um, because what it does is it takes the Bible and it parallels it with uh, the Quran and shows you how a lot of these um, end-time scriptures are the exact same in the Bible and in the Quran, but they're the opposite, they're the exact same. One is talking about their Messiah, Islamic Messiah, and we're talking about the Antichrist, the same guy. 
their, um, uh, their Antichrist, which they believe is going to be um, Jesus, is going to be the Antichrist and their concept, and the fact that we, that we have Jesus himself that is going to come in on the scene. It's, it's an amazing book how it, it parallels this stuff and really puts some end-time stuff in balance. And the fact, remember, Satan, is always, you know, Satan always takes truth and he always twists it and perverts it, which is one of the ways to also recognize truth. Remember, again, I just said, if CNN says it, you know it's not true. You know it's the opposite. You can do the same thing with the stuff of Satan, which is not that much different. And you can take the stuff of Satan, and when Satan is trying to pervert something or twist something, if you'll look through that, you'll see what God was trying to do that Satan is trying to pervert. And it's the same with us. When Satan tries to use us, it's because God is trying to use us, and Satan is trying to twist that and pervert that. Now, through this series that I've been talking about, I, I want to make sure that we're, that we're understanding the big picture. The big picture is the fact that you and I can make a difference. This, I'm not just saying all this stuff so we walk away going, yeah, the end times are coming, there's nothing we can do. That's, that, that can't be the reason that Jesus wrote this stuff down. That can't be. Jesus tells us over and over and over, I'm telling you this stuff, it's coming, you're going to see it, you're going to see all these things fall down. Pay attention because you will recognize it. But why? It's not just so that we know it. It's not just so that we know that there's going to be an antichrist. It's not just so that we know that there's a time of tribulation. It's so that we can do something about it in our personal walk. You may not be, well, you can't. You can't stop the Antichrist from existing. But remember what I've been saying the last few weeks. The church is what is holding the Antichrist back. That the Holy Spirit in the church is stopping the Antichrist from having full reign. Once Jesus takes the church out, the Antichrist has nothing to stop him to get in and try to control the whole world. So in a microcosm, you bring it all the way down to you as the individual, you as an individual have the power to stop the stuff that Satan is trying to do. You and I have the power to stop this. We always think, well, I don't, how much can I really do? I'm just one person in, in the middle of nowhere or however you perceive that. And, but you can. You can have a big effect. Think about... Just lighting a light in the middle of darkness, how far away you can see that light. I think we have a much bigger impact than we will ever know on this earth. You have an impact in people's minds and their hearts. You have an impact in the people around you that don't even actively engage with you or connect with you. You are affecting people, but you've got to think that. You've got to see that because that's what will, when we get to the end of this this morning, that's what will help you to stand firm, to stand strong, is knowing that you really do have the ability to make difference. So we've talked about this on a personal level as individuals. We talked about it last week as the church. This morning I want us to look at um, society, government, society kind of thinking. So going back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. Why is he using signs and miracles? Because he's trying to deceive us spiritually. He's not just trying to deceive us Governmentally. See, see, this is the big lie that society, specifically Western society, propagates on humanity. That there is no spirituality. That everything is about science and reasoning and everything else. But it's interesting, when we get to the end of time, the way that Satan defeats everybody, confuses everybody, manipulates everybody, is through spiritual deception. Although we're acting like there's no spiritual anything. You've got the agnostics and the atheists and everybody, well, we're this, this. And then you've even got the church world, major chunks of the church world that don't even 
Don't even think there's supernaturalness. Don't even think that there's um, God doing miracles today and those kind of things. And we just kind of push that off to the side. It's interesting, the way that Satan deceives everybody is through spiritual deception. That's, it's, it is the epitome of ironic. He says he will use every kind of deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. That's, that's the thesis for this whole series. Refuse to love and accept the truth. Truth will save you. Truth. And then th- this is the conversation that is becoming so common nowadays. Well, whose truth? What do you mean whose truth? You don't decide what truth is. I don't decide what truth is. God decides what truth is. And there is such a thing as absolute truth under all circumstances. It's not relative. It's not dependent on the circumstance. It's not dependent on where you live or or when you live or anything. There is such a thing as truth, and it is absolute. You can have an opinion. You can have a perspective. You can have a worldview, but that doesn't change the reality of truth. Truth will never, ever change. Truth will transcend into and all the way through eternity because Jesus is truth. And that truth will save us. If we can just get that, our truth will, that, that this truth will save us. If our country could see that for just a brief moment. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than the believing truth. So this morning I want to look at this from, from the concept of our society and our government. What is this? What is happening? Why? This, again, this isn't about end time events. This is about from right now till we get to the end. What leads us to that place? How do we get to the point where we will embrace a one world government, a one world religion, a one world currency, a leader, the Antichrist, leading the entire planet? How do we get from where we are to that? How do we get to the point where we're believing the lies and all this stuff? The, the, the reason is, and over, over the last couple weeks and then for this, is because we keep compromising it different ways. And our, and our government and our country has been compromising in major ways for a long time. That's how we can get to that place. So Arthur Versluius from the, the New Inquisitions, he said this quote. I think this is a great quote. He said, totalitarianism is the modern phenomenon of total centralized state power coupled with the obliteration of individual human rights. I've been been saying this a lot. One of the biggest things that Satan has been attacking and will continue to attack is individual rights. The, The reason is because Satan doesn't care if you're free individually or not free. But what happens is when you are free, when you have... When you have an individualism and you have a freedom within yourself, that gives you the ability to contemplate bigger stuff. When you recognize freedom, you begin to analyze the aspects of what freedom means. When you don't have freedom, there's, there's some great interviews right now. Prager has an interview with a, a young girl that had escaped from Korea, North Korea, and she talks about her life there. And one of the things that she talks about is the fact that she had no idea what freedom was. She didn't know they were being persecuted. There was no such thing. There is not even a mentality of individual personal freedom. And, and like freedom of religion and stuff, she says, we don't even, that wouldn't even, you, you would say that to a North Korean, they wouldn't even understand what you're talking about. And you should go look at those, those, those uh, interviews. This is, this is mind-opening to us. That when, when Satan can take away 
the individualism of who you are, not even individual freedom. That comes later. But when he can take away your individualism and you become part of the mass, part of the collective, then, you, then there are certain things that are automatically taken off the table. Like your search for relationship with a God on an individual level. When you're part of the masses, you don't think about individual relationship. You think about corporate religion. If you think about religion at all. It's the individualism of who we are that leads us to desire and fight for um, individual freedom. When we understand individualism, we can understand freedom in a lot of ways. And so he says... That is, with the obliteration of individual human rights, in the totalized state, there are those in power and there are the objectified masses, the victims. And here's the big lie that's been propagated in all kinds of ways through socialism, Marxism, communism, totalitarianism, all this stuff for, forever on the planet is we really believe that, that there can be, um, that there can be uh, more than just the two. You have the state power and you have the masses. And we, and we are told, no, socialism is the same for everybody. It, there is no such thing. There will never be any such thing. In fact, Jesus says this statement where he says, the poor will always be with you. I've had people say that means he was like wanting there to be poor people. That is not what he's saying. He's just saying there's always going to be poor. How, how do we know this? We can, fit, we can analyze this quickly right here in this room. You could stand up right now. Two people stand up and you say, how much money do you have? How much money do you have? One of them is poorer than the other. That's the way that it's going to be. When you go across a big spectrum, you're always going to have what's called the poor. Now, that's not a... Jesus wasn't saying don't minister to them, whatever. That wasn't actually the context he was talking about. We're supposed to. He tells us, minister to the poor. That is supposed to be part of what we're doing. But don't confuse that with you can get to a point where there's not any poor people. Because some of that, I believe, a major part of that is choice. I'm going to show you that. Revelation 13, verse 5. Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. That's half of the tribulation, right? We see the first half of the tribulation where the Christians are protected. The second half of the tribulation is called the great tribulation, and that's where the uh, Christians are not protected. Now, you say, what do you mean the Christians protected? I thought you were um, pre-tribulation rapture. I am pre-tribulation rapture. But here's something that I have realized over the years. There is the rapture that takes place, right? All the Christians are taken up. What do you think is going to happen for the next, say, 10 minutes? After the rapture, you're going to have a lot of people repenting. Why? Because they just realize what happened. They grew up in a church. They know the, the story. They know the message. They've heard it enough and now all of a sudden they realize. Now, I don't think that in mass the world is going to recognize that this is the rapture. In fact, I think personally this is why there's so much emphasis, even put now like at governmental levels, there's so much emphasis on aliens. I think that's one of the ways that Satan is going to try to explain this. Well, aliens took them. And there's going to be lots of people who are like, yep, aliens took them. Especially that guy on the History Channel with the hair. He's going to be like, aliens He's going to be saying, like, I knew it, you know, that kind of thing. But, but here's the reality of this. There are going to be people that instantly, instantly know 
This was the rapture, and I just missed it. So there are going to be Christians during the tribulation. They get saved um, very quickly in that time frame, and then throughout the tribulation too, right? Because then you've got people that are getting saved at the beginning of the tribulation. They're going to be telling their friends and family. They do not say, why? Because they just recognize what happened. They don't want their, their, their friends and family to go through this. So you're going to, start, you're going to see people getting saved during the tribulation. Okay? So he said, um, so the beast was allowed to speak blasphemies against God. He was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people, and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. You're going to have one person ruling over the entire world. Now here's something that we may not think about sometimes or process. That means America. America is going to bow down in reverence and submission to a world ruler. Now, it's only been in the last couple of decades at the most that you could see, foresee a possibility of that happening. You think about even, even going back to, um, to World War II. We didn't get involved in World War II. It took forever for Winston Churchill to convince, um, what's his face? Roosevelt. I was thinking Teddy, but what's his name? It's not Teddy. Yes, Franklin, FDR. Um, Teddy was another brother. But to convince him to get involved in World War II, can you imagine? Can you imagine the Antichrist coming to, well, Teddy Roosevelt? That'd be a better example. Coming to Teddy Roosevelt saying, hey, uh, we need America to bow down to this one world government. It's It's not even a casual possibility that that would happen. But just recently, we had a president that went from country to country, literally bowing to every world leader in every country. That would never have happened, ever have happened before that president did that. This is, we are in a complete different place right now in the world scene, and America will capitulate to this world leader. He says it right there. Okay, let's jump down to verse 16. He required everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark. This is a one-world currency. This government is in charge of this currency, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. And I mentioned um, a couple weeks ago that, um, that I, I really don't think we have enough information yet to totally understand the mark of the beast. I think there's a lot of people writing about it and saying, you know, everybody's got their opinions. I don't think it's a barcode or a QR code. That's the more popular one right now, right? QR code on your forehead. Who's going to do that? Or, or a chip, you know, inside their skin. I don't think we have enough information. I don't think we've uncovered exactly what that is, once we do, we'll immediately understand, oh, this is the mark of the beast, okay? But, but here's part of the thing is, is that we've got to be careful because there is going to be a point for the mark of the beast. Now, let me, use, let me use the vaccine as something to talk to you about. Um, if you get the vaccine, find that as, I'm not talking about whether you should get the vaccine or not get the vaccine. It has nothing to do with what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is that some people in our church, and, and many of you have come and talked to me and you've been concerned about this, you had to get the vaccine because it was mandated you would lose your job. And so you got the vaccine. So here's something that, that was the conversation that I have had with some of you in the building, and I want, you to, I want to spread this out to everybody to think about it. Because they're asking me, if, if I got the vaccine, because I, I don't think the vaccine is the mark of the beast, any of that kind of stuff, but I do think this, that Satan is trying to set us up to get used to compromising on certain levels, okay? Now, there's a difference if you say, well, I wanted the vaccine and one got it. Fine. This is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is somebody made you get the vaccine, you were coerced into it to keep your job or something like that. That is what the mark of the beast eventually is going to look like. It says it right there, that you will not be able to buy and sell unless you have the mark of the beast. So somewhere there has to be, I, I, it's not the vaccine, but somewhere there has to be a line in the sand that you say, I'm not going over that line. Here's where I want to, um, here's where I want to caution you, is it, the more lines you step over, the easier it becomes to step over the next one. Now, just think about what I'm saying. I know this is a sensitive subject with the vaccine because many of you were made to get it. That's not, I'm not picking on that. I'm picking on the big picture that Satan is going to try to do this with all of us as many different ways as he can over and over and over until we become so um, um, easily compromising in these areas that when the big ones come along, it's going to be a much bigger fight than if we had had practice saying, no, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to do this stuff. I'm not going to be a part of this. Why are they quiet here? This is how you win friends and influence people. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 11. Verse 4. Now this is, um, the Israelites have left Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They have left Egypt. God rescued them. They're out because of decisions they, they were making. These are bad decisions. Um, they are out uh, in the wilderness, and they are about to enter in on a 40-year journey out in this wilderness. Okay, That's, they're, they're in the first part of this um, journey with this. Then verse 4, it says, Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites. I love that it starts like that. You know who the foreign rabble is? You and me. It is. Because why? Unless you're Jewish, this is not you. This is the non-Jewish people, right? The foreign rabble uh, who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. That's a, that's a very um, eye-opening statement to humanity right there. Does anybody else hear that? Is this a cat? Somebody right? Okay. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. Now listen to this. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. You didn't eat free fish in Egypt. You were a slave and you got some of the fish left over that you were catching for the master. You weren't eating free fish in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. You didn't have all the stuff that you wanted. In fact, when the Pharaoh made it more difficult and you had to have more bricks and everything, some of the people were going without food. 
but they've convinced themselves later that they had everything that they wanted. We had all the cucumbers, melon, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Has anybody ever wanted to try manna? I've thought about this so many. Every time I read about it, I think, man, I would, I would love to have tried manna. God made it in the ovens of heaven. And he drops it down to us, and they're getting tired of it. Here's something that is amazing about human nature, is it is so easy for us to be tempted to desire to go back into slavery for some cucumbers. And we tell ourselves, no, it's not the, that's not exactly, what, no, it is exactly what we're doing. We do the same thing today because we are tempted by Satan to take all of our spiritual freedom away and we can be enticed by some kind of sin moment that is something simple like a piece of garlic. And, and we, we put it at high levels. Oh, this is really risk worth risking. Like taxes, right? Paying your taxes. I've had people talk to me about how they won't, they'll, they'll cheat and they won't pay their taxes. That's, that's, that's dishonest. If you don't want taxes, vote against them. Don't cheat on them. That's not the same subject. Vote against it. I vote against every single tax that ever happens. I don't care what it is. When they send me the story, well, we're going to have a school bond so that kids can have food. I'm like, nope. You know why? Because they got plenty of money in the state. They're just not sending it to the right places. They send it to all the wrong places, and they're like, we have no food for the kids. That's because you're spending it on stupid stuff immoral stuff, Planned Parenthood and everything else. Why don't you give that to the children? No, we would rather give it to the ones that murder the children. So I don't vote for taxes, but I do pay my income tax because that's the law, right? It's weird how we can compromise. Well, I'll, I'll give in and I'll sin, I'll do this, and, and, we, and we can entice ourselves for stuff. Even something like adultery, this is, a, this is an amazing one for me, is we will, we will compromise our entire existence, our life, our family, covenant with God, we'll do everything for a few minutes. I'm not trying to be funny here, but that's what it is. And then three and a half minutes later, your life is ruined. And we're convincing ourselves this is the best garlic and onions I have ever had in my life. And Satan is laughing at us. We will put ourselves into slavery. We will bind ourselves up with control and everything. And here's what's happening in our country is we're doing the same thing with our country. Our country is running as fast as we can towards socialism and we are buying into it. And specifically, the younger generations think it's the best thing going. Let, let, me, let me show you something here, because I think this, this is a good explanation, at least some. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. And so that, that mindset, that mentality gave the people choices 
two basic choices, in my opinion, and they chose the wrong one. And we do the same thing. Well, every society does this at different times. You come to the point where you have a complete corrupt um, leaders, governors, all this other kind of governorship, all this other kind of stuff. And, and we say, well, the way to fix that, you have politicians that come out and they, they, they spin a nice little smooth tale about socialism, how everybody will be equal and everybody will get the same. And that is a lie. It will never, ever happen. It's impossible. God's about to show us this. But what happens is because of the brokenness and the corruption, it's a difficult challenge for people to stand up, look at the corruption in the face, and say, this is not who we are. We will tear this system down and rebuild another one. Which, by the way, is exactly what our Constitution says. Did you know that? That if the government is not holding fast to these, it is to be torn down and rebuilt. It says it. But instead of doing that... We, we kowtow and we say, well, it's easier if we just have socialism and you just take care of me. And people constantly are saying, still saying, well, yeah, things like pay off our school loans. Well, I thought that was going to already have happened. I mean, didn't, didn't three and a half years ago, isn't that what we ran on? That we were going to pay off school loans? My oldest son kept telling me, Dad, you know, I don't want socialism, but if they're going to pay off my school loans, I'll take socialism for four years. You're an idiot. <laughs> there is no such thing as socialism for four years. But, but here's what we do is it's easier than to, to look at the system and say, no, we're going to recreate the system and we're going to do it right, which means it's going to be difficult for a while. We're going to have to fight some very difficult battles and we're going to have to do these legally and we're going to have to do these in, in politics and everything. It's going to take a long time. It's easier for us just to say, oh, take care of me. These evil rulers accepted bribes, perverted justice. Justice. Finally, all the elder, elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you're old now. I, I love it when a conversation starts like that. And your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. And that's what changed history. This changed everything. Give us a king. Samuel's upset and God says, um, do everything they say to you for they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting me, not you. They don't want to serve me. They don't want me to be their king. Think about the gravity of that statement. He says, they don't want me to be the king any longer. Ever since I brought them out of Egypt, they've been continually abandoning me and following other gods. Now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask. But solemnly warn them by the way a king will reign over them. I'm not going to read the rest of this. It's much, much lo uh, longer than this. But go read it. Because he says, this is what a king will do. And it's exactly what a government does. And God said, why don't you just want me? We said, we don't want you, God. We want a government. And right now we're saying, God, we don't want a free country that we can worship in freely. We don't want to work hard for what we have. We want everything handed to us by a socialist mentality because we're selfish and we're lazy. The thing about socialism, you never get ahead. You never get ahead. Think about communism is you, you don't even have religion. You can't have religion and communism together. They don't work. In fact, it's in any communist regime, it's illegal to have Christianity. And, and, and our country is going for this so quickly right now. Why? Take care of me. As long as you take care of me. 
The idea of getting out and just working and doing something and making something, working harder and, and, and knowing next year I might get a raise and the next year I might get a promotion or the next year I might get a, a, a job offer that's even better than this or I can go back to school and then I can get this job or I can do that. That's all gone in socialism. None of that stuff exists. Because why? We've taken away the individual human rights and they, the masses have become the victims. And here's the biggest reason. Again, Satan doesn't care if you're a Democrat or Republic or socialist or communism. What he cares about is if you want to submit to God and serve God. And a, and a, and a free society is the best place to do that. That's why Satan wants to take it off the table. Now, this is going to sound like very backwards thinking, but I've processed this a lot over the last decade or so, and, and, um, and, and even with my grandkids coming along, now I'm, you know, I'm concerned with this on a lot of levels because my kids didn't have the same opportunities that I had when I was growing up. I, I grew up in the 70s, but really by the time I was a teenager, it was the 80s. Everybody was becoming wealthy in the 80s. You could do that. Me and a friend of mine, we were like 13 years old. We had a little, we took a wagon and we put paint cans in it. We went around and painted people's curbs, little street numbers, and we put signs or we put logos. And I mean, we didn't care about copyrights and things. And, and we just did whatever we wanted. And at like 13 years old, we were making some very, very good money. The problem is, we had to have somebody over 21 to buy the paint because <laughs> we couldn't. Um, so then, uh, this, this guy we did it with, his uncle got a job at the paint store. We're like, he's our in. He's our, he's our contact. He's our man. But, I mean, you could, you, things like that, I mean, I still think those things are possible. I think for any, any of these kids over here, they could make some fat money tomorrow if they just wanted to. Um, but you got to want to, and you got to work, and you got to get it. But it is becoming more and more difficult in our country to do that kind of stuff. Something simple like opening a restaurant. You know how difficult that is now compared to 10 years ago? Compared to 30 years ago? You got to keep it clean nowadays? <laughs> Here's what. We desire ruler over submission to God. Because why? Because submission to God means he's our ruler. And it's easier to have some human being be over our life. A lot, lot less immediate accountability but a lot more control in the long run. I had a bunch of stuff I was going to talk about about the country, and I got to thinking about it last night, praying about it. And I think I want to focus on the ending of this rather than all the stuff broken in our country because I have a pretty big list, and it would take a while. But the things that are broken, here's, here's the reality that I, that, of the list that I came through, is we really know all this stuff. If I went down through the list, you know all the things, all the stuff that's broken. We know the stuff in our country is broken. We are, we are broken at almost every single uh, governmental leadership level across the board. Um, you know, this, this whole um, Warren report came, I mean, um, yeah, the Warren report came out talking about JFK and all this stuff. And people are going, I didn't know that stuff. If you didn't know this stuff, you were, you were intentionally burying your head in the sand. And, and then the, the Durham report just came out this week, and, and, and all over Facebook, everywhere, I've seen people going, yeah, we've won the battle. Think about what you're saying just a little bit. Durham has been investigating this for six years. That's not justice. Durham is a 
dishonest individual, and he's been helping hide this stuff forever. And we know it. Now, I, I pray that something comes from this. I pray that people go to jail over this. I'm talking big names. Go to jail over this. But at the end of the day, do we really believe and trust that is what's going to happen in our country right now? Do we really think that we're going to see justice? Come on. Okay. I said I wasn't going to go over that stuff. So, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Again, let me make sure we're on the same page with this. Just because I don't believe we're going to have justice in this stuff doesn't mean you don't keep trying. You keep trying. Even if it seems futile, you keep trying. Why? Because we're people that stand for truth. We stand for justice even though all the way to the White House it looks like there is no justice. I, I, asked, the, I asked Greg Lopez, running for governor the other day about this. Do you really think in this climate, with Dominion voting machines and everything, that you can actually get elected. He said, I hope so, and he gave some reasons why he thought so. But I don't know. In the back of my mind, I'm like, you would, you would never have convinced me that our country could stage a coup and keep somebody that was duly elected from the presidential office, but we did it. I can't imagine that that could have happened. It still doesn't connect in my head. But with that said, what, do I, what can I do about it? What can you do about it? 2 Thessalonians. Now, I've been reading every week for the last three weeks. I've been reading verses 9 through 12 of 2 Thessalonians. Let me go to verse 13. Remember, verse um, <clears throat> 12 ends with um, uh, or verse 11. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and believe the lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. So the very next sentence after that, Paul says, as for us, in other words, this is what we can do. We can't help thank God, but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. So salvation is the beginning of the understanding of how to combat the Antichrist and the lies and everything else. Being saved. Giving your heart to Jesus Christ. That's the first step. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. So the Holy Spirit and standing on truth. He called you to a salvation when he told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. That's the first key, stand firm. <clears throat> and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. Again, there is such a thing as truth, and it's absolute, and it's God's word. Stand on God's word. Don't compromise on that. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and the wonderful hope comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. It's a, it's a propagating thing. It, it gets bigger and bigger. It, it spins faster. It's like a flywheel. The more it turns, the faster it goes. You stand for truth, and God will begin to bless this and strengthen you in this and take care of you. The more you stand for truth, the more he strengthens you in this. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything with love. 
you have the opportunity to make a difference. If, you, if, this, if these words in here can be the foundation of our existence, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, courageous, strong, do everything with love, these are the things that will, that will make the difference that holds back right now, holds back the Antichrist. But even in the middle of everything, in micro ways, individually hold back darkness and evil and all the junk that Satan is trying to do. Stand on the word, firm in the faith. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths. Well, what is one of the truths? Grace. He just mentioned that. But I receive grace from Jesus. I give this grace to others. I receive salvation from Jesus. I give this salvation to others. The best way to make a difference in your community is tell people about Jesus. That's the number one way to change your world. Tell people about Jesus. Because what happens? They leave that camp and come to this camp. They leave the enemy's camp and come to Jesus' camp. That's the best way to win a war. You don't ever have to fire a shot if you convince everybody on the other side to join your side. Doesn't that make sense? Then Satan is defeated. Which, by the way, that's what he's the most worried about you doing. The most worried. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier for Christ Jesus. Don't, don't be afraid of suffering for Jesus. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes you're going to take a stand at work and everybody's going to act like you're, the, you're a pariah. It's part of it. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for then they cannot please the officer who entrusted them. Who's your officer? Who's your CO? If it's not Jesus... There's, it, it, there's something wrong. It doesn't matter who else it is. At that point, it's irrelevant who it is. It's just not Jesus. You serve Jesus, you keep your eyes on him. That tells us this in, in verse 12 of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. We have got to have a mentality of holiness that's brought back to the church. We are getting farther and farther away from mentality of holiness. Now, we spend all of our time and energy trying to defend the stuff that we do that are destructive to us. We're defending it. We're defending it to ourselves. We're defending it to other people. And it's harmful to us. It's destructive to us. But we, keep, we fight for it. We fight for this right to, to party. Okay. Got to be a little bit older to... We do this. How do we, how, do we, how do we run this race, the endurance, the race God has set before us? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because this is how you do this. you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Stuff at work, keep your eyes on Jesus. Stuff at home, keep your eyes on Jesus. Financial stuff, keep your eyes on Jesus. Political stuff, keep your eyes on Jesus. You can go right down the line. He says, Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is, do you realize that he didn't, it doesn't focus on the pain of the cross? Do you realize that we never see Jesus actually focus on the pain of the cross? The closest we get here is the shame of the cross. Because Jesus wasn't a sinner. And the cross meant you were a sinner. 
You had broken the law somehow. You had done something wrong or you weren't going to be on that cross. And, and we don't see anywhere that Jesus says, I, I had to endure the pain of the cross. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. You're going to deal with hostility from sinful people in your life. In fact, you probably already have. You can't be a Christian very long without that. The hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Not yet. There's hope that we can all be martyrs someday. I don't think that's what he's saying, but... But think about that. Do you know in heaven there's a specific, special place for martyrs? They have a special ceremony just for them. Because they, 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 they stood firm. Two things. These are the two things. Number one, stand firm. In everything you do, stand firm. Don't compromise. Stand firm. Jesus is the one that's in charge. Stand firm on the word of God. Stand firm on truth. Don't compromise. You're going to have plenty of opportunities to compromise. You've already had opportunities to compromise. Every one of us in here, you've had opportunities to compromise. You're going to have many more. Some you have, some you haven't. Stand firm. Make your decision is, I'm not going to compromise. I've done it before, I'm not doing it again. Stand firm. The second thing is to keep your eyes on Jesus. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, everything else will work out. I've said this many times for marriages. You know the way to fix your marriage? Get your eyes on Jesus. If you get your eyes on Jesus, it's amazing how well your marriage can begin to turn around. But you got to get your eyes on Jesus. Not a little bit, but all the way. Your finances messed up? Get your eyes on Jesus. You say, get my eyes on Jesus doesn't pay bills. My suggestion is, get your eyes on... I'm sorry, you're right here. So get your eyes on Jesus and see if that works. Before you say I'm wrong, try it. I'm, I'm quoting a guy in the Bible named Malachi, by the way. Try it. Get your eyes on Jesus financially. You can go right down the line. Guys, you can make a difference. You can. We're going to do a little bit of that right now this morning, so stand with me if you would. <clears throat> First thing we're going to do, I'm going to pray for us, and in praying for us, um, we're going to give our minds and our hearts to Jesus. Simple salvation mentality. Jesus, you're my God. I need you. We're going to pray that first. And then, when I finish praying, I want to encourage you and invite you. Um, can you guys put the altars back down? Rick, Isaac, you mean putting that down there? Um, the, what I would like to do is invite you to, to come to the altar, to come find a place to pray, to, to come up to the front. And you say, well, I can pray at my seat. No argument there. But I think sometimes just taking a step out and saying, you know, I want to spend some time. I want to get out of, of my, my zone. And I want to spend some time praying. And here's, here's what I would like to encourage you to pray about. The things that are irritating you the most right now, and that could be a long list. I don't know who you are, but... But I'm saying specifically about like our government, our school systems, all the different stuff that's going on in our society. The things that irritate you the most, pray about them. Anybody can complain, right? Just go to Facebook. Anybody can complain. But as people of God, we're called to 
stand firm in the truth. So, so pray about this. If the government's driving you crazy, pray. Don't pray, God, kill them all. That's not, that's not healthy. Pray, God, save them. You know what would be amazing right now if the president got saved? I mean, truly saved. His speech would clear up. There'd be a lot of things going on. Powerful way. But here's a big thing is our country would change. Think about if, if, if a, a revival started moving through the Congress and the Senate. People started getting saved. Think about what that would mean for our country. So pray. School boards, pray for them. Or run for them. Don't complain about them. It doesn't do anything. Right? So let me pray for us. And then uh, find your place and let's just get before God. Pray about some things. Talk to him about your life, your existence. God, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for the truth that you have given us in your word. We thank you for the amazingness of you. So God, I ask you to wash me clean right now. Cover me with your blood, Jesus. Forgive me of sin. Forgive me of wrong attitude. Forgive me of wrong direction. Forgive me of times when I've compromised. Lord, and I want you to be my Savior, my God, my foundation. That from this day forward, I won't compromise. I won't give in. Lord, I'll stand strong in faith with you. God, I believe in every person in this room. That just with the people in this room, we could change Colorado Springs. I believe this, Lord. I believe it. So stir us. Stir us to believe. Stir us to trust. God, stir us to pray, to seek you. And even while we're praying, stir us for direction, for what we're going to do next, for how to get engaged, what to do, what to change. In the name of Jesus. Jesus.